from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great pleasure to be with you. We're talking about the uh, U.S.-Iranian war that the U.S. Uh, administration, the Bidens, don't acknowledge, but there is a war going on. We're going to bring in two good friends, General Keith Kellogg, retired Army Lieutenant General, former National Security Advisor in the Trump administration. He's presently America First Policy Institute co-chair of the Center for American Security and a recent book author, War by Other Means, a general in the White House. And Cash Patel, who was former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense and a former senior director of counterterrorism at the National Security Council. Cash's recent book is called Government Gangsters, The Deep State, the Truth, and the Battle for Our Democracy. We welcome both on. We'll be mindful that Keith Kellogg's got to do some Fox work, Fox TV work, I think. Summer's around 10 minutes to the hour. Keith, your uh, response, by the way, uh, you were splendid on the TV show yesterday, and we're all very grateful that you were available for your commentary. Now we have, uh, here we are in this this morning. How, how, do, how do you see things? Do you think anything's different? Has anything changed? Did we hit any real Iranian militias? Did they all flee and go to Mother Iran because there was signaled ahead of time that uh, we wouldn't hit Iran? What's going on here, Keith Kellogg? I don't get it. Yeah, you know, Larry, and this is and this is going to sound hard, kind of harsh, but I think we've actually made the situation worse. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear rising frustration in the last 24 hours from people saying we didn't hit hard enough, there was an advanced warning, we didn't really do it. And that's the problem of my frustration is the things we've got made were made worse because now you've got the Iranians going, oh, we now know that they're not going to come downtown. They're not going to come after us. They're not going to come, as you said before, go to Carg Island, which is, you know, the, the largest refinery area they've got. Mm. They're not going after our vessels in the Red Sea. They're not going after the Porto nuclear facility. They're not going after our people, which is, means it gives them free reign. Because there's a fear of escalation. You know, I, I go back and historically look at things and people. You know, I remember Winston Churchill saying after World War II, he said World War II was frankly an unnecessary war. If they had done something, they, the Brits in, in Munich in 1938, with their prime minister Chamberlain coming out of there saying peace in our time, a year later you're at war. You know, this is one of those times when I, I kind of get it. You know, my dad fought in World War II. I fought. My wife has fought. My daughter's fought. My son has fought. My son has fought. His fault. But, you know, there's times in life when you have to strap on the holster, go in the middle of the street with all its risk and fight. And this is one of those times you have to do that. That's America. That is America first. America first is in isolation. It is protecting American interest. America first. And that sometimes you have to say, I am going to drop gloves. Larry, you know this. We did that in the White House. Mm-hmm. Either we went after Soleimani, we went after Baghdadi, we went after Assad. There were times we externally went after something and did something because we said the only way to set the conditions to protect Americans is to do something hard, and we did it. You know, Cash Patel, listening to Keith and watching this story and the commentaries and so forth, um, I would argue the Iranian mullahs, as well as the military. I mean, Iran's a military state. I mean, people shouldn't be fooled by these you know, so-called religious mullahs. But Iran was afraid of Trump. Iran is not afraid of Biden. And one of the things that just drives me crazy is, I mean, it's, a stead- it's happening all this morning, the statements last night from Biden, from Kirby, from Austin, 
uh, Kash Patel, that we're not going to hit Iran and we're not at war with Iran. How can we not be at war with Iran, Kash Patel? Would you explain that to me? <laughs> it's great to be with you and Keith, and I don't, I don't have an answer uh, for that one. And uh, the, the, the problem with this administration's approach to national security is they're trying to do so by media headlines. And that leads to the death of American soldiers. They're also quarterbacking and trying to reverse engineer a victory for Americans by utilizing these strikes when they never prioritize the intelligence to collect against these hard targets. That's the difference in the Trump administration. When Keith and I and you served in the White House together, we had our targets lined up not for a day, for months, if not years. That's what it takes to go out there and kill Qasem Soleimani, the leader of the Quds Force, the guy that committed more U.S. casualties against men and women in our uniform than any one human being alive. <clears throat> when you deprioritize the intelligence collection and you focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and white rage and other things like climate change, which the DOD was focusing on over wartime collection efforts, this is what happens. And it's a massive failure in intelligence, but it's intentional. And the other thing I want to say that I haven't discussed, and Keith, I know is familiar with this, I know now the Biden administration has pivoted away from the plan we left in place for Iran, a multi-year plan that President Trump signed off on in the Oval Office. And these strikes show me they basically tore that intelligence operation up. We left them a roadmap of where and what to hit and how to do it covertly and overtly. And this is just whack-a-mole. This was um, – I mean, we can't do details, but this was a plan, Keith, that um – Trump administration left with respect to targets, what things like I'm just going to say oil fields, which is my neck of the woods on the economy, uh, command and control centers, training centers. I mean, this is intel that the I presume the Defense Department still has but is rejected. Can you talk some more about what Cash just said? No, Cash nailed, Cash nailed it. Look, it was, a, it was a comprehensive plan. It was economics. Mm. It was military. It was political, and they walked away from. We left them all a pretty good game plan for how to go forward. We knew it. It was a hard work to do it, but we did it. And it wasn't just Iran, Larry. They did the same thing with Afghanistan. They've done the same thing with North Korea. We left a plan out there. We said, "This is where you go." And and Cash is right. They came. They kind of came in and they they just threw it in the shredder. And they just said it was because of Trump. I mean. It, they didn't care at all what we had said, and we had gone through pretty well-established procedures to develop a good, hard plan, bringing all of the agencies together, working it hard. Not everybody agreed. Some of them were pretty, uh, you know, were pretty upset we were wanting to go a certain path, like with Afghanistan. But we had those plans laid out, and Iran was right in the middle, and, and Trump had it right. From the sanctions to the military pressure to the diplomatic pressure, Iran was broke. Because of the sanctions, mm. they didn't try to do anything militarily because what we did was Soleimani. Diplomatically, we had isolated them. And what does this administration do? It goes right back in and says, "Well, we want to restart the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action discussions." And, and here's, I'll leave it. It's pretty simple when it came to Jipoa. That plan was one of Trump's major concerns was the thing expired. They said after a period of time, all the sanctions go away, mm. the nuclear uh, pressure goes away, and they can develop anything they want. He said, no, this needs to be long term so we don't have a nuclear Iran. And that's – God, I, it, what's, what's frightening to me is within a year, they have a potential to have a nuclear breakout. And I will tell you, Larry, 
in when it comes to crisis management, you treat a nuclear power significantly different than you treat a non-nuclear power, simply because the delivery means of the weapons they have at their disposal. Well, Iran's still non-nuclear. So why are we treating them with ultra-kid gloves? Well, that's because the Biden administration wants to do that. They shouldn't, but they are. Mm. They're treating them like they are nuclear power. Heck, I think they're treating Monaco like a nuclear power. I mean, <laughs> these guys don't – they are risk-averse to the extreme. Hey, Cash, uh, mm-hmm. if you were uh, an Iranian Quds advisor at one of these uh, militia uh, stations in, in Syria, Iraq – if you were an advisor and uh, and you and you heard uh, every day in the papers and from home office that the United States was going to bomb those installations but wouldn't touch Iran, wouldn't you want to get out of Dodge and go home to Iran so you don't get hurt? I mean, I sort of see a, a mass exodus. I mean, it's like Keith said yesterday on the on the air. Uh, we probably hit a lot of construction and we pounded sand, but did we get anybody? I mean, anyone in their right mind would have, you know, taken the first plane to to um, Tehran or wherever you go. No, you're absolutely right. And there's two things with these militia forces, the Iranian SMGs, as we call them. They're mercenaries. Let's just, you know, make no mistake about it. Iran and the Ayatollahs. And the Quds Force utilize these folks as expendable mercenaries who they pay, and now they are flush with $6 billion that Joe Biden allowed Iran to have back, and they are utilizing to for mercenary hires. And those mercenaries don't have another way to make money, and they are convinced by the Ayatollah and the regime that they are doing the work of quote-unquote God, and they're in the right. So they're not going to stop or retreat. <clears throat> but you raise another really good point about these strikes and the locations of these strikes. Normally, if you put together a coordinated strike plan that hit the economic targets, the refineries, in industry, and even munitions depots, you'd have done so in a coordinated fashion that would deplete their ability to come back. Mm. But because we've reversed the decision of the Iran deal and because Biden has allowed Iran back into the international banking system and given them $6 billion, they're flush with cash. And they're very close. If not, I might disagree with you on this one here. Iran has nuclear weapons-grade material. Whether it's enough for nuclear bomb or not, we don't know. But you know what they can do? Go out and buy the delivery systems that usually take 10 years to build from Russia and the CCP now with all this money. So that's the difference, as Keith was saying. The economic sanctions were a critical component to this. But if you don't run them on a parallel track, it, you don't, it doesn't matter what mountain you blow up. And you can just rehire more and more militiamen because they got money. Uh, Keith uh, Kellogg, General Keith Kellogg, how – should we or how will we judge the efficacy of these, uh, whatever, 85 strikes yesterday and last night? How do we judge the efficacy? Well, I think you judge it by the response you're going to get from the Iranians and the, the others in the region. And, and you know, we notice we didn't hit anything in Yemen. Uh, and you're going to see the Houthis do something probably stupid in the Red Sea. And how are you going to see this is they're going to say, okay, let's see what they do, and they're going to shoot it. They're going to shoot facilities and people again. And I think that that's going to happen because there was no deterrence. This was a punitive strike because they killed three Americans. It wasn't a comprehensive deterrence strike that, in other words, stopped doing it. I think you should, they should have combined both, and they didn't do it. And that's the reason I said, you mean you didn't hit anything in Yemen? I mean, this is where they're going after our, our ships and, and allied shipping in, in the Red Sea. 
heading towards the Suez Canal. And I think you're going to see that continue. And then, look, the, one I, the item that was really kind of under the radar this week was that a Navy ship had to use its last, they called it Sea Week's Phalanx, a system of last resort to prevent a cruise missile from hitting at one of our uh, frigates there. Boy, if, it, if we get a frigate hit, a frigate sunk uh, with a loss of life, then everybody's going to say, what are you doing? And they go back and say, we told you so. We told you this three months ago, four months ago, three years ago. And this is, this is what's going to happen when you don't create a level of deterrence against the Iranians. So I would say sit back, watch, and if the world, that area goes quiet, I'd be quite surprised. I think you're going to see them react and something's going to come floating back our way again. Before you go, Keith, uh, I know you, you've got some Fox work to do. Before you go, um, I'm reading in some places reports that the U.S., uh, I don't know, NSC or Pentagon or State Department was back-channeling to Iran all through this, telling them what we wouldn't do and where we wouldn't go and what we wouldn't hit. Is that true, you think? Well, I, first of all, we have no channels to the Iranians. We do it to what's called a protecting power. That happens to be the Swiss or the Russians. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't signal them through the Iraq uh, to the Iraqis. And the Iraqis have got a clear line of communications to the Iranians. So, do I think there was that they were notified? I do. I don't know if we went directly government to government because we don't have that. But all you, there's a lot of cutouts you can use. We've done the same thing. You go to the SWIFT, you go to the Russians, you go to the Iraqis, and that information gets to them really fast. And I think that's what they did. I think when the fact is we alerted, the reports are we alerted the Iraqis well in advance we were hitting these facilities. Well, that probably got to Tehran in about 30 seconds. So they knew it was coming. So bottom line, do I think they were alerted? That something was coming. Of course they did. It took us a long time to do it. And that's, again, one of the uh, levels of frustration I think you're starting to see when people are going, you know, how are we doing this? How are we fighting this fight? All right. Uh, General Keith Kellogg, we're going to let you go. I know you've got to hustle over and uh, do some Fox work. Uh, Cash Patel can stick around for the, another short segment uh, after this break. Um, We appreciate the work that both of you gentlemen are doing. Folks, I'm Kudlow. Quick break. We'll be right back with uh, Cash Patel, former uh, Defense Department advisor. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense and a former senior director of counterterrorism at the National Security Council. Cash's most recent book, Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth, and the Battle for Our Democracy. Uh, Cash, you know Mike Waltz, the uh, former Green Beret House member. He's um, made some tough statements saying that basically Biden sabotaged the whole uh, episode here by getting rid of the element of surprise. I know we were talking about that briefly earlier. Uh, but it's something I, I just uh, – I'm not a military man, but it's just something I didn't understand. I couldn't quite fathom it. You know, why were we announcing what we announced? Um, I won't say in detail, but everybody kind of knew what we were talking about. So why would we do, why would we do that? Well, it's, you don't have to be a military man to figure it out, Larry. 
that is something that you just don't do when you're going to run kinetic operations against your adversary, especially the world's largest state sponsor of terror in Iran. So Mike's not wrong when he did that. But this pat- this is not a one-off for the Biden administration. It's a pattern of conduct that they have bought into from people like the former chairman, Mark Milley, who publicly stated he called his counterpart in the CCP during the Trump administration mm. and said he would warn him if we did anything with them. And, of course, Milley was a holdover auditioning for his job and being a political animal instead of being a chairman. Mm. And this is what you get. You get these responses where you have the National Security Council in the White House telling the world that they've told around. This is what happened two weeks ago. The very people that we just bombed, our government under the Biden administration called them and gave them a heads up that there was going to be strikes unrelated to the U.S., then we had intelligence and that we had, quote, unquote, a duty to warn. We don't have a duty to warn our enemy that kills American soldiers, and we don't have a duty to inform the world of our strategic operations. So I think Mike's right. Losing the element of surprise, especially in military operations like this at this level, is critical. And this administration continues to just write the playbook out in the public sector and hope for a good media headline so they can say they are doing good when they are losing and defeating American national security. Cash, this duty to warn, that's the phrase. I couldn't pull it out of my uh, infirm brain. But this was what I was referring to. Um, This goes back to that memorial service for Soleimani. Is that what you're talking about? It was about a month ago or so. And the, I guess, ISIS-K, I guess they're based in, in Syria. But anyway... Uh, U.S. intel got wind of it and warned Iran. And again, reading up on it, that's the kind of duty to warn that we reserve for our friends, allies, uh, and partners, but not our enemies. So we're exactly. we're treating Iran like a partner. Why would exactly. we warn? Why would I mean they didn't listen anyway, and the thing blew up. I I didn't understand that either. Well, look, it's, it's all part and parcel of the Biden administration policy of appeasement. Give them $6 billion. Get back into the nuclear deal with Iran. Allow them international banking. Give them access to purchase weapons and munitions from our other adversaries in the CCP and Russia. And the duty to warn them, they roll this out as, quote, unquote, a diplomatic veil to say, look, we're helping everybody. And, it's, and that approach is failing. That's the opposite approach of the Trump administration, which crippled Iran. And so the difference is we use the duty to warn, like you said for our friends and allies who are helping us in the fight. And they have distorted this duty to warn and now ruined it and rolled it out there and said, well, we'll do it with everybody, including our enemies. And we now have five dead American soldiers as a result of what, being friends with Iran? Because this administration and John Kerry and Blinken and everybody thinks that if we're nice, quote unquote, on the world stage, we'll Mm. get somewhere. Well, 165 strikes and five dead Americans say otherwise that this administration's policy and their duty to war is working. You know, if we if we haven't learned this lesson, you can't buy off Iran. You can't yeah. you can't pat them on the back and smile and buy them a drink or whatever else. I mean, you can't. Why haven't we learned that? This is the strangest thing in the world. You would think after all these years we would have learned that. No, but this crowd is making exactly the same mistakes that Obama made. Trump corrected it. And uh, here we go again. You can't buy them off. You can't buy peace. You know what? To quote an old song, you can't buy love. You just can't. <laughs> you know, you can't. And, and, and they've politicized the ultimate uh, national security deterrent. 
the United States military for political gain. And that's what happens when your chairman, your secretary of defense, and your president all care more about policies of politics than the policies of defending this nation. And now it's a difference. We outlined the plan. We were successful under President Trump, monumentally so. And all they want to do is flip the script and say, we didn't do the same thing as Trump. It's got to work. Wow. Cash, all right. Cash Patel, former defense advisor. Cash's book, by the way, is Government Gangsters. Good read. Thank you, Cash. Talk soon. Appreciate it very much. Folks, we will take a break. And on the other side of the break, cover another big news story, breaking news. Huge jobs number yesterday. Surprise everybody. I'm Kudlow. We'll have John Carney of Breitbart with us. Please stick around. <laughs> 